Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. One of my favorite episodes of the year, the preview of March Madness. And we do so with my longtime friend, Joanne Scott, the managing director of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. I've known Joanne for, gosh, probably 25 years, dating back to her days at USA Basketball. She worked at Nike for a long time, and now she's with the NCAA, and she runs Men's March Madness. That's why we did not discuss Women's March Madness. So understand that going into our show today, we just kept the conversation to Men's March Madness because that's what Joanne oversees. She does not oversee Women's. March Madness, but from Selection Sunday all the way through to the final four, she will take us behind the scenes. Just fascinating to plan and operate an event of this magnitude. Joanne will also give us a sneak preview of uh, what we can expect, what's new with the tournament this year. We'll discuss that with Joanne Scott on our show this week. And Sports Business Radio is powered by Malka Sports. Learn more about them at M-A-L-K-A Sports. Com. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great, and this is a fun week. We always love talking about March Madness. Joanne is great, and uh, I can't imagine having her job. like She has just got so much in front of her, but yet she dominates it. She's so confident. She has such a great, great outlook on the whole event, and uh, man, she's just a smart lady. A great interview today. Always look forward to the show. Well, and I know you and I like making our picks for March Madness, and underdog fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest-growing fantasy app ever with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. And Griggs, they've got a March Madness game going on right now. So if you come in the game and and play Pick'em, which I play Pick'em and Rivals a lot, Every time that Houston plays, the University of Houston, you're going to get an odds boost for one pick'em slip, including a player from the Houston team. So the odds boosts are substantial, uh, and you decide the other players to include in your slip. If you use the code SBR when you sign up, you get your first deposit matched up to $100. So if you put $100 down, Underdog Fantasy is going to give you $100. If you put $50 down, Underdog will give you $50, but up to $100, they will match your deposit. This is a fun time of year. I've been uh, doing pretty well with the NBA pick'ems and rivals 
recently. So go to underdogfantasy.com and download the app on iOS or Android. You're going to have a lot of fun with this. I know we've had a lot of fun with it since they became a partner about a month, month and a half ago. We did some Super Bowl stuff. Now it's into March Madness, which is also one of the most bet uh, sporting events of the year, Griggs. Griggs, who do you like to win the whole thing? Well, I've got, uh, I filled out one bracket yesterday, kind of quickly, so I didn't really dig in it too much, but I've got uh, Gonzaga and Arizona in the final game with uh, Arizona winning. So that's my <laughs> pick. <laughs> it's so funny. You and I always have the same picks. Because <laughs> we're awesome. So that would be funny because uh, the coach at Arizona was Mark Few's longtime assistant and Gonzaga for a long time. So um, that would be an interesting matchup there. But yes, I've got Arizona winning the whole thing. And and Gonzaga, I have been knocked out earlier. Um, I don't think they're going to get to the championship this year, but I've got Arizona winning the whole thing. So we'll see how that turns out. But again, go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app on your first deposit up to $100. They will match you. So have some fun with that. All right, Griggs, some headlines. First of all, March Madness. We're going to dig into that with Joanne Scott, but according to multiple reports, the NCAA is going to pay out more than it ever has before to D1 schools. We know that March Madness is really the largest revenue source for the NCAA every year. So the governing body has allocated $625.5 million, according to the 2022 NCAA Division I revenue distribution plan. So Last year, the NCAA distributed $613.4 million. So this year, $625.5 million. Last year, $613.4 million. By the year 2032, the NCAA has budgeted $826.6 million worth of distributions. Again, that's spread out to all the member schools. So, Griggs, a lot of money generated from the TV partners. Uh, you've got you know, TNT and CBS. And we'll talk about that with Joanne, but this is the biggest revenue producer. That's why a few years ago when the tournament didn't happen, that was a big blow to the NCAA and the member schools, because this is the big revenue generator. Well, and you think some of these small schools that, you know, don't get into these big tournaments very often when they get in, that's a big payout. And that makes a big difference in a program for a, you know, Northbrook state or a Tennessee state or whatever they are. Uh, you know, that's a big revenue help for them in the next coming years. It's a big, big thing for these small schools. So this year, the rights payouts for media is about $870 million. They'll reach a billion dollars by 2026. So again, lots of money for March Madness. All right. Other headlines. This would usually be number one. Tom Brady is back, Griggs. Sitting around on uh, Sunday, watching Selection Sunday on CBS, and all of a sudden the alert comes, Tom Brady is unretiring after only 40 days. He's back for his 23rd season, and at 45 years old, he will be the oldest starting quarterback ever. I'm not really that surprised. There had been whispers that he was going to come back. Some people said he was going to come back with the 49ers, but that would have required a trade from Tampa. And it seems like they're getting the band back together. Gronk and, and others are likely to surround Tom Brady. And, you know, when you do something as well as he's done it for so long, it's hard to walk away. And I'm sure after 40 days, he was he was kind of missing it. And look, he was second in the MVP voting behind Aaron Rodgers last year. It's not like he went out on the decline. He's still doing really well. 
So maybe he wants to go out on top and we'll see. But look, I, I think it's great for the NFL and their business. Tom Brady is the face of the NFL. He's the GOAT. And when he's on TV and he's playing in games, more and more people are going to watch. So it's a great thing for the Bucks, and it's a great thing for the NFL, Griggs. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it's it's great for the NFL, and obviously he's the GOAT, so it's good for TV and everything else. But uh, it just gets annoying when these stars retire, quote-unquote, and then come back. It feels so like it's just kind of a media thing and a hype. Like he, I, I feel like he knew he was coming back, and it was just like, oh, I'll get the attention on me for 40 days and then come back and make a big scene. I don't know. I lose a little bit of respect for these stars that come back, but uh, you know, it is good for NFL, so I'll be watching. I tweeted out, is this Tom Brady's spite store season? If you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David like I do, and Larry opened a Spite store coffee shop, Brady didn't get to go out the way he wanted to. Remember, it was it was going to be his announcement, but it was kind of hijacked. And we said, well, Tom Brady likes to control the narrative. And so you wonder, like, is that part of this? Like, he wants to go out in his own way. And of course, he's not going to come back and go through the, the grind of an NFL season just because he wants to go out on his own terms and announce it on his own platforms. But you just kind of wonder, like, all right, maybe I can take a mulligan on this and I can come back and I go out on top after winning the Super Bowl. I can announce my retirement, you know, after the game. It's a little bit more on his terms than the 40 days ago announcement was. So we'll see. Griggs. Major League Baseball is back. They must have been listening to our show last week with Keith Foreman when we basically said to them, do you want to drive your sport off the cliff to irrelevance? And that's where they would have gone. But credit to them. They had lots and lots of meetings and they put together a collective bargaining agreement now that's going to last through 2026. Um, Spring training runs from March 17th to April 4th, and then the regular season starts on April 7th. They are going to get all 162 games in, something new. 12 teams will make the playoffs expanded from 10. So, Griggs, uh, that new CBA is signed, and it's good for baseball. And another thing that's good for baseball is Apple. And Major League Baseball announced Friday Night Baseball, a weekly doubleheader with live pre- and post-game shows that will be available to fans in eight countries exclusively on Apple TV Plus as soon as the regular season begins. Apple is paying a reported $600 million for these rights. And, you know, a lot of people for a long time have been speculating that Apple's going to get into the sports game. And is this their entree? A lot of people think they're going to get into NFL and they may have Sunday ticket and they may do some things around that. So if they start putting together some big packages with Major League Baseball and the NFL, Griggs, that's going to make Apple TV Plus even more attractive to customers. 100%. I love it. And I'm excited for Friday Night Baseball. I think it's going to be fun. It'll be interesting to see who they you know, get for their uh, their set and their TV show and the, the pregame if they're doing that. But uh, yeah, I mean, if we've talked about before, streaming is continuing to grow. You see it with uh, Thursday Night Football now uh, on the NFL is going to be exclusive on Amazon Prime. So it's just uh, it's continuing to take over from the terrestrial TV and going to streaming services more and more. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV Plus. One more headline, also TV-related. Joe Buck leaving Fox to head to ESPN and join his buddy Troy Aikman. They're going to do Monday Night Football. Uh, Joe Buck is going to get a reported $15 million a year. Troy Aikman is going to make Tony Romo money, so he's going to be more in that $18 million a year. So ESPN went big with their Monday Night Football package. They're going to have a Super Bowl They're in the rotation, so they wanted 
Buck and Aikman, it's going to be interesting to see who Fox Sports comes up with to replace them. Joe Buck, no more World Series on Fox. So um, it's going to be interesting, but I think this is a great pairing, Griggs, and, and ESPN did really well with getting these two. They're paying a premium, but these are two really good broadcasters. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, other than the Manning show, the Monday night crew has been kind of iffy the last couple of seasons. So I really think this is a good move for them. I think they'll get a lot more viewers with it because Aikman and Buck are just uh, iconic. They sound great together. Everybody knows them. I think it's going to be an easy transition for the Monday night crew. But uh, yeah, I'm down. I think it's great. But that's a lot of money. But they are worth it because they're both very good. All right. I want to let our audience know that Nate Chackets, the co-founder and CEO of Roan, the official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. He's going to be my guest on next week's edition of Sports Business Radio. He's got such a fascinating story as to how he started Roan. Um, they've got some great partners like NBA star Jimmy Butler, but they just make great, high-quality menswear. And I love where we're going with athleisure, as they call it. Um, you know, I'm sitting here wearing my uh, guru pants right now. I'm not wearing slacks or jeans or I'm wearing more comfortable clothing because Roan has more comfortable clothing. I'm wearing their rain tech hoodie, their spar jogger. It's just really comfortable clothing. And Roan is offering sports business radio listeners 15% off of your purchase. Go to Roan.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout. I'm really looking forward to having Nate on our show next week. All right, coming up next, my conversation with Joanne Scott, the managing director of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Joanne Scott. She is the managing director of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships. I love having her on every March to discuss March Madness. Joanne, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great, uh, Brian. It just is amazing how we do this every year and how quickly as I get older, these years just fly back by faster and faster. Yeah, they do. And I think of all that has changed from last year to this year and you know, last year we looked back and you were hosting the entire tournament in the state of Indiana. Capacity was up to 25%. This year, it looks like things are more back to normal. Would that be a, an accurate assessment? Yeah, I would say that's an accurate assessment. Uh, we still have, um, as you as you know, whether um, everyone knows, we have 16 sites for our tournament from the first four through the final four. So um, every city and every health department has varying COVID um, protocols, including in Portland, which we're there for the first and second rounds. So we will abide. Um, we're back to normal, but we also will abide by the COVID protocols in place uh, of Portland and of San Francisco and anywhere else that has their own COVID protocols. Um, but we are at um, absolutely maximum capacity. Um, and so, again, that is a, a big difference from last year. Uh, and so I think most exciting is the tickets. And uh, what, what we've seen is that, you know, it's just it's trending very well for this 
uh, where we are in this point in time that it's people want to get back to March Madness and they want to attend. So it's it's 100 percent capacity. And uh, we are uh, planning um, as a normal tournament um, with adapting to local protocols is what I would say. So like contact tracing and all of that stuff, you know, like, again, I got a note from my, my daughter's school the other day and they're like, Hey, no masks, no contact tracing. Like things are starting to open up. And I'm just wondering, you know, I know that was kind of a pain for a lot of the players and coaches last year. Is that still according to local ordinances or, you know, is there going to be contact tracing and stuff like that? So last year we dealt with the Marion County Health Department and um, then also because our, our first uh, four was in uh, in our early rounds, we're also in, in, in uh, Bloomington, Indiana uh, and um, West Lafayette. So we, we were dealing with just like one health, large health department. We're still dealing with all the health departments, but I would say to you when it comes to contact tracing and others, most of the majority, I would predict, not knowing this data, but we've been told um, that the majority of our teams are vaccinated and boosted. So um, I would say to you that contact tracing when it comes to vaccination has a different, you know, defined what contact tracing is. Most of them don't have to go into quarantine and isolation when they're uh, fully vaccinated and boosted. But um, if folks aren't, there will be uh, COVID testing required before they can travel per the NCA code of conduct. And then that, again, would default to the local health department if someone were to test positive. It's great to hear that ticket sales are going so well across the country. And I think what I'm about to say, I'm probably in the minority on this. Johan, I kind of liked having the whole tournament in the state of Indiana, the birthplace of <laughs> basketball. I, I bet it was a lot easier to run logistically. I just think the venues are such storied venues. Was there ever any consideration of, you know what, maybe we just keep this in Indiana? Uh, I I think I think everyone was surprised, including our coaches, on how much they enjoyed it. I think, first of all, it gave them this sense of um, a little bit of comfortable. They could feel comfortable because right. the teams, the teams, you know, they weren't concerned about going out and, you know, and, 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 and monitoring their players and their teams and their coaches. So I think there's this first level of comfort. Um, they really enjoyed seeing one another. You know, we don't ever, we, every now and again, we'll put two teams in a hotel that don't play one another in their early rounds, but they normally aren't in the same hotel, but what they really enjoyed was seeing one another and being, it was, you know, being next to a practice court with a coach that you knew. So there were a lot, we've had suggestions of doing it in one city. We're a national tournament. Um, so we uh, do like, you know, putting it throughout um, the United States. Also our schools and our universities help us host. Uh, we were, I say we, I want to say we were building the airplane, you know, <laughs> we we're building as we were, we went, but it did run amazingly smooth. We had a few blips, uh, but it went very, very well. Um, I think we may look in the future if, you know, we would reevaluate maybe a certain round or, um, you know, in one location, but I, I, I'm, unless the committee decides, our men's basketball committee decides it will remain a national tournament with uh, all the various sites. All right, so for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, you've got San Antonio, Texas, San Francisco, California, Chicago, Illinois, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then the final four is at the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans. Those are some big cities, and 
you know, just places where I'm sure people will like to to gather and venues that you've been at before. The Chase Center is state of the art and beautiful. So I'm sure you're excited to be in there for the first time. We are. And we have been looking forward to that. And and again, all NBA venues. So world class venues, right. uh, you know, for the teams, for the regionals and, and which and, and large cities. Again, we we bracket and we assign teams to their regions per the seed list, but we do it by regionality. We do it by mileage. So I think that is another reason why doing to your er, earlier question, that's another reason why having it to being a national tournament where folks can drive, um, you know, also helps. So very much looking forward to those regionals. And then again, uh, been, been traveling to New Orleans for a year. Uh, and I was just there a few weeks ago during Mardi Gras for a press conference and, um, New Orleans is back is what I would say. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen the, uh, the Mardi Gras images on social media and it looks like they're definitely back. They are. That's good. Um, all right. So for the student athletes, this is always one of the most special experiences that they'll have in their life. And I know, you know, they get some tickets for their families. What else are you doing in order to make this a a memorable experience for the student athletes? Well, you know, I always say the swag bag is, uh, you know, having worked at Nike, it's always about the swag. So I go to the youngins, uh, our former managers and former players that uh, work for us and say, look, we just, you know, that swag bag has to be what they want and what they want to wear. So uh, the swag bag every year is what uh, we try and do is target for that student athlete. You know, we've been doing this for years, but just, you know, we want it not to feel like, I mean, it's the Chase Center. We know that in in San Francisco and it's the various different, you know, the AT&T Center in San Antonio. But we want it to feel like it's, a, you know, a March Madness venue. So the decor has been elevated. But I would even say at the Final Four, you know, especially with New Orleans. We've got some special ideas on the team welcomes when you land in the city and you're there and you first come off that airplane in such a, an, you know, an historic city and, and an incredible city like New Orleans. So it's just taking those student athlete journeys and we map that journey and we just try and identify at what different times are there things we can do. And, and not, you know, some of it is, is, you know, just making sure the experience goes well, you know, and, and it's not just always something that you're trying to gift them, but it's just making sure that it's an elevated experience. You were kind enough to send me some swag from last year's <laughs> tournament for me and my daughter. Thank you. You're what, welcome. What's in the swag bag for the athletes? Can you give us any kind of a hint or is that top secret? Um, that is top secret. And we've had photos uh, and they are going to reveal that. We don't even like to reveal that until the student athletes receive it. Okay. So I think they're going to do a simultaneous reveal on on social our social platforms uh, when the student athletes get the product. Awesome. Um, year 12 of the CBS Turner partnership. It's one of my favorite partnerships in all of broadcasting. I've always said this. I love when, you know, Charles Barkley and Clark Kellogg are talking and, you know, just some real diehard basketball fans and you get the college perspective, the pro perspective. Um, I love the partnership. Is there anything that we should look for that's new with, the TV and st- streaming coverage, uh, the March Madness Live app, is there anything we should look for? You know, I just, this morning, we had about a three-hour, I would say, we, we do it every year. It's uh, a seminar with their talent and their producers and their directors. 
what you said is so true on that partnership and it is very it's authentic they they really enjoy getting together this time of year they enjoy talking about this tournament and they shared a you know just i'd say a couple of things um uh with with us this morning uh that i was aware of but i'll share with you today first of all um bob fishman who is you know produced this uh tournament for years is retiring. So he will be, um, he will be actually, he's a director of it. He'll be, he'll be retiring after this uh, final four and he's done, you know, I think over 26, they said. So that was, uh, we uh, gave a little honor, a shout out to him this morning. Um, but March Bandis live will be on 18 different platforms. And so that's really how, um, you know, the, the next generation is is consuming March Madness is, you know, on 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 a different platform than probably what our parents watched it on and um, what we grew up watching it on. And that's everything from you know Roku to you know LG um, and Xbox One, Apple. Just and but you can also get it on your normal you know desktop and web. So there are 18 different plan- platforms. And there's also going to be a, we also have a, a added feature for that. This for March Madness Live, but I'm, unfortunately, I'm, it's just a little too early for me to share with you that because we haven't released that yet uh, in a press release yet either. Okay. Well, I'm always excited to watch the coverage. I try and consume it on every different platform just to get a taste for what it's like. Uh, like you said, the app is getting better and better every year. I think it's just next level. And, you know, again, I have a teenage daughter, so I know that that generation is watching on their iPad or their phone. They're probably not sitting in front of the TV. And if they are, they're beaming it from their phone or their iPad onto the TV. But I think you guys have done brilliantly with uh, developing the app and making it easier and easier to use every year. Yeah. And that's one of the things we monitor every year with our friends at Turner is, you know, who's logging on on laptops, who's logging on on their mobile phones and, and, and every year and how long are they watching? It's fascinating data that, you know, is at our fingertips with using that app. So uh, it's it, it, but I agree with you. It's for those, if anybody's listening, hasn't looked at March Madness Live, I highly suggest um, that you uh, check out it, check it out this year. All right. So Selection Sunday, that's a big part of the, the TV coverage and, you know, how that all goes down. You've explained to us on previous shows kind of how Selection Sunday works with the committee, but do you mind giving us a quick synopsis of you know, on Selection Sunday, as the tournaments are starting to wind down the conference tournaments, how many people are in that room? What are you looking for? And, you know, what's the deadline for getting the selections to CBS and Turner so they have them to reveal? Sure. Well, it's really just three phases. We do selections, we do seeding, and we do bracketing. And what we do is we're going into the room tonight, and we will, uh, there'll be 12 committee members. That's new this year, Brian. We uh, added we uh, uh, added two members to our committee um, uh, this year. So instead of 10, we'll have 12. Um, but they, we all go into the room tonight with uh, right now, it's probably three other NCA staff members and myself. And um, we'll select and seed the teams for the next few days. What happens on Sunday is, uh, you know, we have games that go very late into the night on Sunday night. And we, uh, when we come in early on Sunday, um, we, we again, what we do is we scrub, and what scrubbing is 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 it's a um, it's a 
method we do with our seed li- our seed list of scrubbing teams with one another on the seed list. So if you're a one seed, you're scrubbed with the two seed, and uh, you compare those teams. And then the two t- seed is scrubbed with the three seed, and you and you you scrub the, the seed list. So we usually spend you know a little a lot of time Sunday morning scrubbing from the night before. But there's um, you know I think there's six this year. I, I haven't looked lately, uh, but I think there's six games going on on Selection Sunday. So we like to, we'll start to bracket. So we'll go through it. We'll do seed lists. We start to bracket, but we have, you know, we could have 10 to 12 contingency brackets because the big 10 championship could have a team that's either in the turn, two teams in the tournament or one not in the tournament, unless they're an automatic qualifier. So you have to have a seed list for both scenarios. So you could have two different seed lists for the big, you know, 10. And then, you, you know, the SEC championship is on Sunday and you, have, you might have to have two different seed lists for that. So we, we start about, you know, 11 a.m. noon and we start bracketing and we start bracketing the various. My first year in 2015, I think we had 14 contingency brackets. Wow. Um, we won't have that many this year just because we have fewer games. But we will bracket um, the the various contingency brackets and the various seed lists um, on on Sunday afternoon, and then we sit and wait for you know once we get through that we wait to see who wins the various games. We typically wait till the Big Ten game is over if we can send the bracket to Turner CBS before that we do, but it's typically not very much sooner than what this show is. Uh, it's amazing how quickly they can put those the graphics on the show uh, together. So I would say late the show's on at 6 p.m. Um, Eastern time on Selection Sunday. And, you know, if they get it, sometimes they get an hour ahead of time. Sometimes they get it 13 minutes ahead of time. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. I get asked this question all the time. How much of the bracketing is pure analytics versus, you know what, this might be a compelling matchup <laughs> if these two teams kind of, you know, met at some point in the tournament? <laughs> Yeah, it's conspiracy theory is what we always say. It is very much driven by a very public document called the principles and procedures that have been in place by the great committee members that have, you know, just and Tom Jernstead, who is an Oregonian, uh, you know, he rest in peace. It is a lot of years of learnings of this um, principles and procedures. It's all done again, graphically, uh, geographically. So, again, what we do is we seed the top 16 by the closest region. The regional first is the, how you, and so you you do it by mileage, uh, and then once you uh, see those, then you go to the first and second rounds, and you do the same thing by mileage. What happens in the principles and procedures, if you read the document, is there are some principles of not playing your conference team if you played them more than twice already this season, things like that that cause you then to shift some people. But it's all done by the principles and procedures and software that, you know, when we are when we are bracketing, um, you know, it, it tells us, you know, who's the closest city and and the closest site for that team and then whether or not they can go there or whether they can't go there because there's a violation of a principle. So as much as now it does end up with some conspiracy theories, but it's usually just <laughs> the way the seed list works out and the way the principles are written. Yeah. I think the most compelling storyline of the tournament this year is this is Coach K's final tournament. And, you know, it's been his farewell tour this year. Such a legendary coach. Is there anything special planned for Coach K's last tournament? Or is it just like, hey, you're part of the tournament and, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll salute you uh, accordingly? You know. Um, I met coach K in 1988 and, uh, when I worked at USA basketball and I known him for a long time. 
I thought this weekend was incredible. Um, I watched every absolute minute of it that I could. Um, our committee evaluates that. Uh, what I've learned since coming to the NCAA is we have a lot of coaches that retire every year. Obviously, we don't have coaches, you know, like Mike Krzyzewski that coach er, that retire every year. So our committee evaluates that. Um, in our, um, but we always try and work with the school on that is what I'm trying to say. You know, if if they don't want something, then we don't want to do something, you know, and we don't try and be a distraction during the tournament at all. So, um, we, you know, that will be a, it's on the committee's agenda. That will be up, you know, stay tuned if uh, anything happens. And a lot of times we do it, but, you know, it's, you know, the, it's just communicated. We don't want to make a big deal out of it. We're happy for you to do something, maybe do something post-tournament. All right. I've got to ask you because you've known Coach K for so long, as you just pointed out. Whether it's when you were at USA Basketball or at Nike, now with the NCAA, is there a specific interaction or just you know something you may have observed with him that maybe people don't know about that you go, this really tells the story of who Coach K is? I felt that there's a really good article on ESPN.com, but what I would say is since the day I've met him, you know, it has been about his family. And his mom and dad and his daughters and and Mickey and Chicago. And then it's been about the military, you know, his military upbringing in the military academy and Coach Knight. And he doesn't waver from that. Hmm. And, you know, that is those influences in his life are what always, I believe, directs him from what I know him to make his decisions. And he doesn't waver from that. And here he is, you know, some 40 years later, still talking about the military, Chicago, the influence of his parents and his daughters and his wife. So that has not changed since the day I met him. So he's true to his roots. True to his roots. Absolutely true to his roots. You know, I found it. It's authentic. Yeah. I found it interesting on the ESPN broadcast of his last home game at uh, Cameron Indoor. They were saying, well, you know, maybe he should go take an administrative role and he knows the NCAA and the, and the, you know, basketball landscape so well. And I found myself saying, no, I hope he doesn't do that. I hope he goes and spends time with his family and, you know, he's worked hard for all these years. Let's ride off into the sunset and kick back on the porch and, and drink some lemonade. Do you think he would go do something else or do you think, you know, he's going to ride off into the sunset? Um, I think he deserves to ride off in the sunset. I do think he will do something else. I mean, he enjoys it. He has his, you know, K leadership in the summer. He's been involved. I mean, Duke is so true to his heart. And I think he said it the other night when he said, Hey, Duke basketball will be fine, but my loyalty is with Duke. So I do, I could, I could foresee him doing something with Duke university, but, um, I would say to you, I, I hope he does. I hope he kind of rides off into the sunset and kind of relaxes a little because not only does Duke has Duke consumed his life, um, USA basketball and serving, you know, the country of and USA basketball for Olympics has consumed his summers. So I do hope he gets, I think he deserves balance. Yeah. Well, and there's so few people that could do what he did, which is, you know, really command the respect of the pros, just like he did the amateurs. I mean, a lot of the pros would have been like, Hey guy, you, you've been good in college, but this is a totally different arena for you. And you know, he was seamless in, in that arena as well. He has, what I've always seen of him is he has an incredible gift of communication. 
And um, he, I think that is what has gotten that is he knows what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and in his leadership. But he's a communicator and he's an educator. Um, he, he really, you know, he's trying to teach you something um, when he's speaking to you and he's trying to make you better. And it's just a gift I haven't seen in many people. All right. Back to the ops of the men's basketball tournament. Give our listeners a sense of your schedule. I know you start at the first four. Now you're going to be able to travel again. Last year you were just in (laughs) Indiana, so you're going to be jet setting again. But like when you're traveling and you're at the venues, what's your role? What are you doing? So once I leave selections, I will drive from Indianapolis where we're hosting selections to Dayton, Ohio for the first four. Um, and I will be in Dayton. And then from Dayton this year, I will go, I usually hop around and, you know, hit four sites. But this year I am going to Atlanta, which is where we hold our control center and where we um, our chair of our committee and my boss, uh, Senior Vice President Dan Gavitt. We have our PR team there. Um, it's kind of our command and control center for all of the sites. It's where we have every game up on the television. It's we have our director, our coordinator of officials there, supervisor of officials in case we have officiating, uh, you know, issues. And, 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 and it's just, and I did this last year and I hadn't done this, but I did this last year. I was just putting out fires, you know, trying to get, you know, 68 teams in within 24 hours in Indianapolis. And it worked really well for me to shift to that role. So I'm going to shift to that role. Um, and just work from the, whether it's PR, whether it's operational, whether it's travel delays, whether it's officiating, we'll just handle that in Atlanta. Then once first and second rounds are over, um, I'll come back to Indy for a day and pack. And then I'll head out and hit the four regionals that you discussed earlier. And I'll go to San Antonio for the Sweet 16. And from there, the next day, I'll go to Philly. And then I'll fly the next morning to San Francisco and I'll be able to hit that game. And then I'll fly from San Francisco to Chicago for the Elite Eight game. Um, that's on a Sunday. And then Monday morning I get up and fly into New Orleans. So, um, then New Orleans were there a good week before the final four, uh, getting preparing for all of, you know, the, the NABC or national association of basketball coaches are in New Orleans. So we have meetings with them. We have a lot of ancillary great events. Our corporate partners will be in town. So it's a, it's a full week. Wow. Do you find that you're able to be more, effective if you're in that command center or do you like being at the venues themselves where you're sitting courtside and you're really in front of the action? I think, um, I think it's a mixture of both that first weekend. It is amazing. I mean, really seriously think we release the bracket at six o'clock PM on Eastern time. And we have teams leaving within 12 hours on an airplane getting to the first four. So the first three days is 68 men's teams getting where they need to go, whether it's buses and airplanes and hotels and officials getting booked and, and, and flights. So I think that first weekend it's best that I've learned to be in that control room, but I do enjoy getting out on those regionals because that's how I learn. And I listen and I see, and I, you know, and I hear, I mean, you know, I'm dealing from even on site. I mean, we've had, a venue that we've double sold a section of tickets and you're solving it. So um, there's just always something to do, but I think it's being out there and listening to the membership, listening to the coaches um, and seeing, you know, okay, how can we take this? What can we do next? How can we take it to the next level? You got, you have to be there to do that. So I think it's a good mixture to do it the way I'm doing it. 
And you have such great relationships with these coaches that, you know, I know when they see you on site, they're like, all right, Joanne's here. Things are going to run smoothly. They probably gripe with you from now, you know, from time to time, but like they trust you. Yeah, that I, well, that's very nice of you. I think, um, you know, I've, 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 I've gotten earfuls, you know, and that's what we're here for. You know, it's our, it's a national championship. And, and the, the key is, is we talk all the time is we, we don't want disruption. We want it to feel like the regular season where they're in control. They, they book their own planes and manage their own travel during the regular year. And so we don't want disruption. So I wanted, you know, if we did, if something's gone wrong and I can control it, then, you know, I do, I'll, I'll listen. I'll always listen. So, um, but you know, I do have a lot of friends. It's it's good, um, you know, to listen to them because they're always trying to get better. I, that's what I love about being around basketball coaches, Brian. I'm I've been around them all my life, and every time you're around them, they're trying to be better coaches and they're trying to make their players better players. And that's what we're all trying to do is we're trying to make this a better tournament. We're trying to make our employees. Everybody's trying to make your own employees be better employees, and I'm trying to be a better employee and a better leader. So I just I try and learn everything I can from them. Just a few minutes left. One of the things that March Madness does so well, by the time the tournament's done, like I know that AT&T, Coca-Cola, Capital One, Marriott, like they activate the sponsorships so well there. I remember all of them because to me, you know, if you're watching the Super Bowl and you don't remember the company that just did the commercial, well, what's the point? It's not memorable. So I think, you know, those Capital One spots with Charles Barkley and uh, you know, it, it's just all very memorable. But is there anything that you can tell us about with sponsor activations, whether it's with, hey, this is what we're doing with the student athletes or this is what you might see in a commercial on TV or at a venue that you can tell us about? Uh, you know, I haven't actually gotten to this year or see any of the ads yet, other than what I've seen watching basketball, as much basketball as I watch. So I can't really tell you other than I do, you know, the Capital Ones, I think, you know, as everybody says, they, they do look forward to watching those every year. Um, I will say I do think also that our corporate partners are, you know, also looking at the March Madness live, um, you know, aspect of the tournament and um, and doing some activations on that as well. Um, and, and then, you know, as you know, the bracket challenges are like the big thing, you right. know, um, you know, enter to win and, you know, pick your bracket and pick the perfect bracket. And so there is going to be a new game that comes out for those, some folks that, uh, it hasn't been announced yet, but for maybe if your bat or your bracket is busted, maybe you can, you know, it's a new game, but they do such a great, they do such a great job with the ads and activations, but then even on site, you know, we have a March Manzi March Madness Music Festival with uh, AT&T, Capital One, and Coca-Cola, um, you know, and then our Fan Fest, you know, com- uh, Capital One sponsors our Fan Fest, but it includes all of our activations of our sponsors. So I do think that, uh, again, with, you know, COVID and a couple, you know, canceling 20 and 21 being a little bit different, as we talked about earlier, that this is a good a year where we're really seeing a lot of activation. Yeah. But not, I can't, it's just, you know, it's a little early to be sharing a lot of this this year. Um, I, I guess uh, maybe the timing just didn't line up very well. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I think what I'm seeing, people are coming back to in-person things with a vengeance because they've missed them so much and they want to be at the games. They want to be at the ancillary events and the music festivals and, and things like that. All right, we'll end with this. So Superdome. Okay this year Mm -hmm. nrg stadium in houston Mm -hmm. following year my hometown of phoenix arizona state farm stadium the year after that 
the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and then Lucas Oil Stadium after that. So you guys plan, you know, years in advance where you're going to be with the Final Four. And you're going back to places like State Farm Stadium and Lucas Oil Stadium. So there's a familiarity for you. That's got to help. It really does. And, you know, this will be my first Final Four because I've been here eight years. We're going back to a venue that we've been to um, other than Indianapolis. So I've been to, you know, Minneapolis was new in 2019. Atlanta had a new stadium in 2020. Unfortunately, we weren't able to play in. It really does. But keep in mind, Brian, it, you know, it has to be a stadium with a roof. So we only have a limited amount. We're having more. But we have a limited amount of venues. But right now we are out in a bid process from 2027 to 2031. So um, and that was should be awarded in the next, you know, by the end of the year. So we we have to go that far out for the hotel room blocks and for the convention center space and for, um, you know, everything that we need for our event. But, yeah, it's uh, it, it's but again, uh, there's a limited amount of venues that can actually host it because, it, it you know, it's it needs to be it's an indoor event. It's not uh, an outdoor event. Well, in producing a basketball game in a football stadium, not an easy task. And, you know, you can feel I remember I went to the. The kingdom when it existed and, you know, you feel like you're 10 miles away. There's like little specks down on the court because you're in this 100,000 seat venue. How do you make it feel more uh, intimate? You know, it's venue to venue. And we have a seating system that we purchased in 2009. And really the size of the venue and the way the venue's built determines how many how many, how many seats we bring in. Um, I think it was Atlanta was going to be our biggest seat build ever, and it might have been 22,000 seats we would have brought in, which is, think about it, is the size of a NBA venue, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it depends on the venue. We've been back to New Orleans. Uh, we've been there with this seating system before. Our capacity would be 71,000. I think what makes it look like a basket, and again, that's what the decor and the branding, we want it to look like a basketball stadium, not playing a basketball game in a football stadium. But the seat system, we put right where the football, you know, the, the turf would be, and we blend it up into the seats. And so I think that's probably why um, maybe it looks like, um, you know, it blends well and it's just, you know, an extension of the current, the current stadium. Joanne Scott, the managing director of the NCAA men's basketball championships. This thing grows bigger and bigger and better and better every year. Joanne's a huge part of that. Thanks so much for joining me. Best of success over the next month and uh, keep up the great work. It's always great to catch up with you. Thanks, Brian. Good to chat with you. Take care. I want to tell our listeners about a partner that we're excited to be working with. It's Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. I was tired of trying to find the right multivitamin or create the right smoothie or salad every day. I don't have time to figure out what vitamins I'm putting in, and I just wanted a one-stop shop. I wanted something that tastes good. So with Athletic Greens, with one scoop every morning, I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start my day right. You can do this too. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery and also supports mental clarity and alertness. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in these winter months when we don't get as much sunlight. 
It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Additionally, for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. In 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash SBR, like Sports Business Radio. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash SBR to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.